This is Lifetime Sentence, the podcast where we watch bad Lifetime original movies and compare them to the truly heinous stories that inspired them. Because sometimes the truth really is stranger than fiction. How's your day going? Good. Um, I know most people can't see me. You can. Look at my new digs. I know. It looks different. Oh, that's I very moved. bright. Very. Yeah, oh, that's the window. Very it's, sunny. It's Texas and... April, so yeah, it's sunny. <laughs> yeah, but I don't think your last apartment had that much natural light. It didn't. Mm-mm. Well, plus I recorded like facing a wall. So. Well, I knew that, but I can tell when light's coming into a room. <laughs> One of the things about having eyes that work. <laughs> <laughs> all right, smarty pants. Listen, I didn't do all that college for nothing. <laughs> so if I hold on, I'm trying to figure out how I can like turn you around, I may just do it upside down. Look at this other wall. <laughs> it's a mirror. I love that. The whole thing. Do you remember when I went to New York and my whole bedroom wall was a mirror? Mm-hmm. So I recorded a music video for you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I was like, well, I could do a bar workout right here. You could. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Try to figure out what to do with it. We'll see. <laughs> When's the last time you did anything ballet related? Um, probably when I was 17. I blew out my knee when I was 17. So that's probably gotcha. the last time. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Ah, the good old days. <laughs> Except not at all. Right. So Dr. Sarah, did I tell y'all that she does, um, Aerial yoga. Yeah. Well, you you mentioned that she was at aerial yoga. Oh, yeah. Week. That's right. So she is um, putting together her recital. And How fun. Her routine for her recital. And um, it is fun to watch her little brain work while we pick out music. I have always wanted to do aerial yoga. I think it's really interesting. I think you should. Cool. In this I mean- apartment. Just hang mm-hmm. silks from right there and you can watch yourself in the mirror. That would be horrible. <laughs> I am just, I, I'm facing it right now and I may move and record opposite because I just can't. I can't even look at myself. Okay, it's hard <laughs> enough to see myself in the tiny little square in our recording window. Mm-hmm. I'm just not going to look at it. So if I'm like paying very close attention to your face, I'm sorry. Well, I mean, <laughs> I did brush my hair once this week, so... <laughs> Oh, yeah. <laughs> One time. That's excellent. Um, so do you want to know what's really awesome this week? Um, me? Well, yes, and me. But also that we don't have to say this case sucks. Yeah, we don't. <laughs> oh, hey, by the way, welcome to Lifetime Sentence. I'm Paul. I'm Aaron. Oh, my gosh. We don't have to say this case sucks because you know what? It doesn't. Even if it was a real case, it'd be like, meh. Right? <laughs> That's tough. Oh, well. <laughs> but yeah, we got all moved this weekend. It's uh, has not been fun. I told my friend, um, my friend, Aaron, that it's kind of like childbirth. Like you, it's horrible while it's happening. And then after you live somewhere for a while, you forget how horrible it is. And you're like, oh, we should move again. Just like sometimes somebody would be like, we should have another baby. I'm like, No. 
So, so I like got up here and I immediately was like, I am living here until I die. And then I watched the first two episodes of the show again. And I was like, how do I move to Monterey? Right. <laughs> um, yeah. The last two times that we have moved, the first one was we were living in a trailer. By the way, trailer living was the best. We were the classiest people by like 3,000% in that <laughs> particular park. I know it's not the case for everywhere, but in that place, um, our neighbor's name was actually Cletus. No. And no. He, called, he called his wife Mama. <laughs> so... The vice president does? Oh no, he calls his wife mother, doesn't he? he I don't know. Ugh. But we we uh we refer to them obviously as Cletus and Mama. And <laughs> those are their names. <laughs> and Cletus um had an old like rundown pickup truck mm-hmm. that he and his friends would start drinking at about six o'clock and they'd start banging on that truck until ten thirty. And for the entire in the morning or at, at night? night, like in the okay. evening. And um <laughs> We did in the whole year that we lived there, we never even saw them try to crank the thing, but they were pounding on it with whatever power yeah, tools they could find. It just becomes a hobby. Right? <laughs> Let's go work on the truck while we get drunk. Right? But uh, we like I'm not there. mad about it. To be I was reorganizing my bookshelf one day and mm-hmm. found mold on the bottom of all of our yearbooks, <gasps> and there'd been a leak under our floorboards. Oh no. And so we moved quickly while so they could do repairs. Mm-hmm. And then we lived somewhere for a while and when we had to move again, it's cuz we'd bought this house, but they kept changing our closing date. Oh god. And so we were all packed up to move once and they extended it by like 6 weeks. So we were living out of boxes thinking mm-hmm. we were about to move and when when we'd finally like made a mess of all the boxes they called and they're like okay we're closing this week and we had two days left on the contract at the place we were at so oh we just gosh. shoved everything into boxes and ran again like <laughs> <laughs> this has been a nightmare i will oh but i will tell you this because i'm really proud of myself kind of i'm really proud of myself comma kind of yeah all right so this weekend I've climbed 64 flights of stairs. Whatever, bragger. I have. I know you have. And I have walked. Hold on, I got to add this up because it's a lot. This is Lifetime Sentence where we're very good at math. (laughs) Yeah, it's a thing. (laughs) (laughs) I want to say roughly 17 million steps. Save you some math. I'm not counting steps. I'm counting miles. Oh, um, 17 million steps equals like 4.25 miles. You're good. 19.93. <laughs> That's impressive. That's a lot. And I'm really upset that I woke up and I still don't have a summer body. So. Right? Why do we work this hard for nothing? Seriously. <laughs> oh, you, right. you didn't check prime shipping. It's going to be a little <laughs> bit slower. doesn't happen in two days. Oh, God. It's the worst. I better. I haven't weighed myself, but I better weigh less. <laughs> Anyways, should we do this or what? Yeah. Okay. So, do you know how excited I was to be able to read a book that was fiction for once? I can imagine. I have read so much nonfiction this year. I look. My podcast queue is almost all true crime. Right. I do have Deck the Hallmark, Lifetime Uncorked, and um, 
a Vanity Fair one, like all like snuck in there. But for the most part, it's all true crime. Oh, I have some Bachelor ones when The Bachelor comes on. But sometimes I have to walk away for like a week and and like listen to something else because I just can't. Right. <laughs> so I get it. Yeah. Yeah, for those of you who are just tuning in or... And are uh, expecting us to be talking about a Lifetime movie right now instead of our to, actual lives. Right. <laughs> First of all, we don't do that till about the seven-minute mark, which means that was two minutes ago anyway. But <laughs> 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 also, um, t- this week, we are actually talking about Big Little Lies by Leanne yeah. Moriarty. And then the uh, show made from the book... Um, executive produced by uh oh what's her head hold on and i'll tell you her name she's legally blonde she's america's sweetheart thank you reese witherspoon i was like i can call her name up at any given moment until i'm talking to all of my adoring fans go ahead and call her what's her head yeah oh what's her head you know she's in that movie with what's his face and that girl over there um oh no so let's talk okay Tell tell me about the book. Like, just do you have any stats on the book at all? Uh, I have a couple of stats about the show. So no, I I told you I did not write any notes. I know. I just thought maybe you would know some. Um, Aren't you a teacher? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, do you know what I've been doing today? Writing a lesson plan about Pablo Neruda because I forgot tomorrow I'm not supposed to teach the lessons I've been teaching. So I've been writing a new lesson plan today. Excellent. Yep. So the show received 52 total nominations holy cow and won 46 awards including four golden globes and eight emmys so we're not this is not lifetime folks no we are not in kansas anymore and i do also want to talk and we'll get into it during each episode because jean-marc valet was the director of this um miniseries it's now just a full-time series i think um and his ear for music is extraordinary absolutely oh man the music in this show is to die for and the fact that it all comes from like the ipod of a little girl is just like right (laughs) okay that's probably my favorite device in the whole show I love it because I think it's great. And when she says, like, in the beginning, she's like, one day I'm going to run a massive label. And, like, I want to contribute to that right now. Yes. Yes. But she's not a real person. So, So, um, as far as stats of the book, uh, it was published in July 2014. Mm -hmm. um, And it did make the New York Times bestseller list. Um, I don't usually go book geeky on here, but the national, uh, I mean, the New York times bestseller list is kind of a joke. It's a game that you can play. Mm-hmm. Um, and as somebody who's writing books and hopes to wind up on the New York times bestsellers list, cause you know, I'll slap that sticker on the cover of my book. Yeah, you will. Um, and I will <laughs> brag to everybody. I also know that you can game it. Um, however, this one was not gamed. It was just a good book. This book is excellent. Um, I've read quite a few of her books now. I like, I have liked them all except for one. Which one did you not like? Truly Madly Guilty. Yeah, I'm with you on that. I've read that one. It, I, I thought the story was just contrived. Not, no, it was just wasn't all the hype that surrounded what the thing that happened was right. not warranted. So at the end, I was like, wait, what? <laughs> um, what I do find interesting is that she said that um, the whole inspiration for the book 
came mm-hmm. from uh, her listening to like a radio interview Interesting. where she heard a woman talking about her parents' abusive relationship. Oh, man. Um, and she talked about how she would like hide under her bed to escape her parents' fights. Ugh. And um, Moriarty wound up like drawing inspiration from the whole, like from that interview. Mm-hmm. And I really love to hear how authors come to their inspiration or like how a whole book yeah. stems out of so little. Um, the book that I'm shopping around right now that, uh, as I mentioned to y'all, I've gotten through the first round of some editors. So we're hoping yeah, for good woo-hoo. news. Um, yes, we are. Totally came You can from... get that New York Times bestseller sticker. Yep. Uh, but it if all... If not, I'll have one made for you and, and you can just stick it on there on Her... one of your books anyway. As it should be. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, just any book at this point. <laughs> I'll stick it on my Bible. It's right here. Um, I want, has the Bible ever made the bestseller list? I don't know. <laughs> um, in any oh, case, man. that whole book came to me after listening to like a 36 measure cello solo at the end of an audio book. So well, there you go. Inspiration is so cool to me. Yeah, it is. Okay. So. I don't know. How do we jump into this? Do we want to talk about the show first? The book first? Well, just Let's talk about Sex Baby. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> let's not do that. Uh, let's talk about the book first, I guess. Okay. Yeah. Um, so, we're, Hey, guys. We're, just, we're t- complete professionals and are not just uh, winging this at all. Listen. Again, this is the preview for what our Patreon shows will be like. Um, Go subscribe. (laughs) A lot more laid back. Um, Patreon.com slash life. Especially. So the reason this is hard for me is because I don't want to spoil things for like the next episode of this, you know? Yeah. Because I've read ahead. I did watch the two episodes, but they're a little linearly out of the timeline like they are they are they're a little bit out of the timeline and also um there are some differences and but yeah i i do have to say there are some differences but they stick pretty closely to the story absolutely so far now, at the end they go off the rails a little bit but okay i haven't gotten there yet um so it is set in a um beachside area of sydney australia mm-hmm. Yeah. And it um, focuses mainly around three women, um, Jane, Celeste, and Madeline. Oh, she's got such yes. a Madeline Margaret McKenzie. Which Martha. Just, Martha, thank you. I was like, Margaret Madeline didn't sound right. Martha, Martha McKenzie. McKenzie. And uh, which is just such a rich sounding name to me. I love it. <laughs> but um, one of the things I've really enjoyed about this book is that it's this third person limited, I'm yeah, limited narration. It's not omniscient mm-hmm. no. uh, because it limits to just the character that it's focusing on, right? And it cycles through the three women. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's told from different points of view, which I think they also capture really well on the show. I think so too. And when I talk about the show, I'm gonna kind of talk about it that way. Like over at Madeline's house, this is what's happening, and over at you know Jane's house, this is what's happening. You know, right. Mm-hmm. So the book opens with Madeline driving her daughter Chloe to her preview for kindergarten, like orientation for kindergarten, which is not a thing that I ever did. Is that something that you did, or is that something in I the think UK? We had an orientation, but it wasn't one where my mom like dropped me off and then picked me up later. Okay, 
I think I had like a meet the, like something. I had a meet the teacher, but um, I know in the school district where I teach now, kindergartners will go, you get a letter that tells you which day is your first day. Mm -hmm. And she'll bring in like five or six of the class to spend the day with her. And like with the kindergarten teacher, and then you'll get one day of the first week of school before the whole class comes. I think that's really cool. It is really cool. I don't know what they do now because my child's been out of kindergarten for like nine years. Right. Yeah. Um. Anyway, so Madeline is driving her daughter Chloe to orientation and yes. she is um, stuck behind this girl who is texting and driving like yeah. an idiot who would ever do that. I don't know. I don't know a single person who texts and drives. Not me. Definitely not me. I really don't anymore since I've got that cradle to sing to y'all through. I uh, I really don't anymore either. And now that I have an Apple Watch and I can at least read what's coming in, I'm more I'm more worried about what's coming in than what I need to send out. You That's know? true, yeah. Um, and you can just talk into your wrist like James Bond if it's that important. Yeah. But now with like Face ID and everything, like I, I'm good. Right. I can I can check most everything I need without typing or right. texting. Um, and so when they stop at a red light, Mm -hmm. uh, Madeline decides to take it upon herself to be the, um, good citizen that she proves to be through the rest of this book. Yeah. But it's also her birthday. Oh, it is her birthday. She's 40 today. Um, so she's also having a little bit of a crisis. Right. Over turning 40, I think, which I think adds to what she does right so she at the, the rest of the book she doesn't have an excuse but no that's for true this day she <laughs> she opens her car door and she marches her tail up to the car in front of her and knocks on the window and yells at the girl that she is a menace to society for texting while she's driving and she's going to cause a wreck and kill someone if she doesn't stop yeah exactly well <laughs> So what is getting out of the car at a red light make you? Nosy. I think right now, I mean, there's a road rage law here, so she could have maybe gotten arrested. Is there a road rage law there? I think so. Yesterday, I... But I think this is Texas, so I think the road rage law is like, don't pull a gun on somebody while you're driving. (laughs) Don't pull a big gun on somebody while you're driving. It's Texas. Okay. Speaking of driving in Texas, yesterday I was almost hit head on because a woman ignored her yield while I was trying to get on the interstate. And when I honked at her, she rolled her window down and flipped me off. I was like, (laughs) what the fuck? She is from Texas. She saw that Louisiana plate and she was like, fuck that guy. I was like, you don't know my life. (laughs) Anyway, um, so having done the world a good deed as she had, Madeline goes to march her way back into her car and um, falls in her heels. Yep. Which I, I'm going to guess there was a rock and not just that she sh- had no business wearing those heels. Yeah. <laughs> well, here's the thing. What I love and we'll get to it. Well, we won't get to it because I'm just going to get to it now. In the show, after this happens, she just keeps wearing the heels. Yes. and the heels my like, girl take your shoes off um meanwhile jane is in the car behind her driving her own son Ig- iggy 
Mm-mm. Ziggy. See, I almost said there Izzy, and I was like, that's wrong, because I knew the Z was in the wrong place, so I was like, get rid of the Z, we don't need it. Ziggy, <laughs> Ziggy to kindergarten orientation at the same school. Mm-hmm. Um, and Jane watches the whole thing happen, and considers ignoring it, and instead she gets out and helps Madeline, and they become BFFL with wine. Champagne. But They're champagne kind of that's people. That's the kind of, yeah, that's the kind of BFFL I want to have. Right? Um, if you're my friend, bring me some champagne, and you can be my BFFL with champagne. So, what? Right? I'm in. So, um, this starts an, a very unlikely friendship. Mm-hmm. And Jane and Madeline successfully drop their children off at school and they go mm-hmm. off to their uh, normal haunt or Madeline's normal haunt called Blue Blues. Blue Blues. Yes. And uh, where they meet Madeline's other best friend. Well, current best friend, but Jane has quickly become her best friend. Mm-hmm. Um, Celeste. They're the three best friends that anyone could have. They are. They are <laughs> something. They're all the something. Yeah, they are. Um. And then this really tight friendship ensues and we start Mm -hmm. to see, I like when we get Madeline's perspective the most, honestly, Mm -hmm. um, because as ridiculous as she is, she's kind of the unbiased person in this storytelling. Which is strange because she's (laughs) probably the most biased person in this story collectively. Right. But she tells the story the most unbiased. Because she's looking at. She's trying to exonerate her. Right. (laughs) So um, we find out that Celeste is extremely wealthy and extremely wealthy yes, (laughs) and also very wealthy. That's, that's what we learned in the very beginning about Celeste. He's rich, super rich, the 1% and very wealthy. (laughs) (laughs) And I think she's really pretty. I think they describe her as beautiful, but she dresses very plain or. Yeah. And she doesn't have to work to keep her figure. Like, all the things that Madeline says just make me laugh. Yeah. <laughs> um, we also find that uh, Jane is a single mother. Mm-hmm. And um, that she doesn't know the father. Or she knows the father. She says he was a one-night stand. But he's not involved in Ziggy's life. And she's expecting Madeline to recoil at this information. Instead, Madeline was like, oh, well, I went through a divorce and I was a single mom for a while and you've got this girl. Like, she's actually really supportive and then she's like, she kind of has this nostalgic moment for not sowing her her wild oats the way that Jane did. And so, the whole first couple of chapters just kept me laughing a little bit. Um, What we... The the problem with re hashing the book is that i can't go back and rehash it as if i've never read the rest right Uh uh-huh which is the problem with a lot of books like i want to go back and reread them but i can't reread them without knowing the end see luckily i have i mean i don't forget like the plot points but i have a really short memory when it comes to books i've read i think Mm -hmm. maybe maybe because i read so many books in a year Um, i don't know i read a lot and i that's like, fair. If I reread something, I'll get to the point and be like, "Wait, I know this." Yeah, yeah. Um, and so like the nuances, I will forget. I remember mm-hmm. the big plot points. And a lot of it is because I like twisty books, and once you read a twist, you can't unread it. Right. And this one is definitely a twisty book. 
This is, and actually, I'm pretty good at figuring out twisty books. It's just because I've read so many of them, and I did not see this one coming. When did I read you it. not? No, because I listened to it. Um, I was listening to it at work. I told you it's the first audiobook I ever read, uh-huh. uh, ever downloaded. I was listening to it at work, and the end happened, and like, what happened happened, and I was like, what the fuck? Like, out loud. <laughs> the only thing, there's one thing I didn't expect. Um, every, nothing else caught me by surprise, but the perpetrator is who caught me by surprise. Yes, me too. That's okay. what, that, that was the thing, and I was like, wait, what? Yeah. <laughs> All the other twists, I, there was really good foreshadowing. I'm not saying she gave it away. I'm saying she's a really good writer, and she um, yeah. foreshadows very well. No, she does, and, and I knew, basically, I was pretty sure I knew what, who was gonna, you know. Right us at the end and um, well and that's not a secret so the book actually opens this is why i skipped with a police interview well actually it actually opens with an old lady looking over the school um and say talking about the trivia nights that they have there and how wild they get and then it cuts to police interviewing people because of a murder um that happened at this trivia night and Mm -hmm. i really like the way that she intersperses the police interviews yes and and I will touch on it because I really like the way that they were able to fit that into the show. That's what I was about to say, too. Yes, I loved that. It keeps things moving forward and it asks the questions that you're asking or like it answers the questions that you're asking and you don't realize you're asking them. Um, yes. And also, I'm just going to go on record to say right now, I would like to join the Erotic Book Club. Please sign me up for that. <laughs> ay, ay, ay. <laughs> um, so um when the women you go would do well at the erotic book club i think do what <laughs> if you would do well at the erotic book i club, think so too i think they'd like you um as their lunch at blue blues ends and the women um have had more champagne than they intended to aka they were not planning on having any at all right. and now they've had enough that it's noticeable when they return to school to pick their children up which these nosy bitches at the school, I fucking can't. <laughs> I have trouble believing this school is a public school. So do you. Oh, we'll get there. Okay. The trivia night that they put on or the the fundraiser. Right. Is bananas. And I'm like, this is only the kind of event that a uh, private school would throw. Right. Mm-hmm. Um. Anyway, but they return and I've never been given alcohol at a public school event. So. No, and I teach at them. If anyone deserves alcohol at a school event, it's me. I deserve a flask at least once a week. You do. Um, <laughs> so when they go to pick their children up, um, a little girl says she's been attacked by a little boy. And mm-hmm. the teacher is a dumb fuck. I have no other oh way. My God, I hate poor teachers in real life and in books and in movie. I just hate them all. Um, so instead, she handles it in the worst way imaginable. The only way it could get worse is, is if she did an actual like lineup with a firing squad, like. <laughs> So so bad. She leans down and she goes, "Can you point to the boy that choked you, little girl?" 
in front of everybody. Parents. Everyone's everyone and their parents. And this little girl who already has enough problems in her life because her name is fucking Amabella. That's right. Emma. Like amazingly horrible name, Amabella. <laughs> it's so bad. And I love how her mom in the first one of the first chapters of the book is like this is her nanny. She's French. That's where we got the name from. We didn't make it up. <laughs> yes. Her name is Amabella. It's French, just like her nanny, Juliette. That's right. Amabella. You wouldn't get it because we've been to France. <laughs> God. Uh, side note. Can I say that I love Laura Dern's portrayal of this character? Laura Dern. We're going to get there. I know. Stop stealing, stop stealing my, my stuff. But Listen, you Laura can Dern... All- kills this role um she uh, actually was what i believe one of the winners of the golden globe i good. can't remember she deserves but it i believe it was her um i'm gonna look that up though she may have just been nominated i know she was nominated but anyway so um the little girl points out ziggy the new kid not iggy ziggy, not iggy. and um ziggy is um steadfast that he did not do it he she did she won best performance in a supporting role good. sorry good um and so his mother who was going to make him apologize because of the situation she was not going to make him own up to choking it the mm-hmm. little girl um she obviously supports her son she says my son's not a liar if he didn't do it he didn't do it and um the whole like all the moms attack her and this poor girl she's 24 years old like clearly like a fish out of water in this place and i relate to her pretty hard in this situation i was a young mother so i remember like being the one at school where all the other moms were older than me and so feeling like they were almost like an authority as well as you know whatever over me and could tell me what to do and like push me around and that like of course i never had this kind of issue but i get it right right um Anyway, so the moms kind of attack because it is clear that there are two factions in this school. Mm-hmm. The factions who think Amabella's mom, Renata, is the queen of the earth. Can I just tell you the person I hate most in this whole story is Harper. Harper, yes. <laughs> Hover Harper. I hate her. She's even worse in the show, and I just want to punch her in the face all the time. Yes. Um. <laughs> However, Madeline and Celeste have Jane's back and ultimately have Ziggy's back and mm-hmm. are able to defray the situation enough that everyone goes home, at least. Right. Um, however, I would have a very long talking to this teacher if I had been involved. Well, here, here's the thing from the show perspective is that she makes this mistake and then like halfway through, she's like, oh, fuck. Right. <laughs> And then she tries to backpedal, but it's gone too far. <laughs> so, well, yeah. and so the the show perspective, she's a little bit older than she's described mm-hmm. in the book, too. Mm-hmm. And so, in the show perspective, it pisses me off even more because she's an experienced teacher who pulls this yeah. shit. Yeah. <laughs> well, in the show, because in the in the book, she um, she taught um, Madeline's older child that is not in the show right fred (laughs) fred but fred's Mm -hmm. only two years older than chloe but 
So that could mean she's like a third or fourth year teacher. Mm -hmm. But in the show, she says that she's had Harry the Hippo for 10 years. Yeah. Meaning she's been teaching for 10 years. So, um, it also, she's very young in the show. So what did she start teaching when she was 15? You know, people ask me that too. When I, when they see me and they're like, you're too young to be a teacher. No, you're not. <laughs> my son's, my son's geometry teacher is 23. He's too young to be a teacher. So I was the 23 year old teacher my first year. And my brother was the same age as my oldest students. And it was really bizarre. Yeah. I mean, because he's a high school teacher and I'm right. like, oh, honey, you're barely older than these kids. <laughs> right. It's, and it's difficult to be in that position. The kids think you're going to be their friend mm-hmm. and you just won't. He, and I, the parent, I, I assume, because I try to be as kid glove with him as I can, because I assume a lot of the parents try to steamroll him, especially oh, in I'm the manual sure. program that my son's in. I'm sure. Um, anyway, so we see... Madeline, uh, we get to learn a lot about the uh, the setup of this school, the workings of the social circle of the school, at least, mm-hmm. that there's this very blatant war between the moms who work and the moms who don't. Right. And even though Madeline has a part-time job, she considers herself a mom who doesn't work because it's mm-hmm. only 20 hours a week. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and Jane gets to seem like a mom who doesn't work because she works from home. She's a Mm -hmm. freelance bookkeeper. Um, Celeste is a mom who doesn't work because I don't know if we told you, but she's extremely wealthy. (laughs) Well, I know because her husband's an asshole and he made her quit her job. Right. Because she, we find out, was a very successful attorney. Yes. Um, And Jane was in law school Mm -hmm. when she found out that she was pregnant. Mm -hmm. Um, And so she always dreamt of being an attorney. In fact, I think she says, I was meant to be an attorney in the book. I was meant mm-hmm. to be a lawyer. Um, yeah, I think that's correct. Yeah. And and I like the I like that turn of phrase. Mm-hmm. But um, <clears throat> sorry. So no, you're fine. So we go on and we see more of this uh, social world evolve um, yes. to the point that when they return to school for the start of the, of the semester, um, Amabella passes out invitations to her birthday party to everybody she can see except for Ziggy. Okay. Now, wasn't, was it a rule in your school? It was a rule in mine that unless if you, you could not pass out invitations unless Unless you invited invited everybody. Yep. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So if you wanted to not invite everybody, you had to do that in private or, or mail Mm -hmm. them or whatever. Yes. Mm -hmm. I also grew up in a very small town where we were just going to invite everybody because your mom went to school with their mom and, and even if you hate, like, even if your moms were enemies, you had to invite each other because they would talk shit about you. I think that's any school. Because any, here's the thing, like, any school ends up being, like, a small town. That's true. Mm-hmm. Um, now, in the meantime, we have seen that um, Celeste is very unhappy in her marriage. Yeah. And I don't blame her. Um, how- I... However, I like the way that Leanne Moriarty presents this. I'm sorry, I just totally cut you off. That was totally awful of me. <laughs> You're totally fine. I was going to say, I relate to Celeste a lot. Um, I have been in a relationship kind of like this. I have been in a relationship more like in the mo- in the show than in the book. Right. Because they, they, they definitely change that a little bit. That's what I was going to say. That dynamic's very different in the show to me. Mm-hmm. Um, so 
the interesting thing is when we see this that she wants out of this marriage, they're on a plane to Canada. Mm-hmm. And she's thinking, when the boys graduate high school, I will just walk out and leave him, and then I'll finally mm-hmm. be done with this. And it cuts to him talking to his kids about how he's a superhero, and he discovered he could fly when he's 15. And so the first time we meet this guy, he seems like this doting father who is so good with his kids, and he's in love with his beautiful wife. And then she gives you just the first hint that something's not right when she talks about their Facebook feed. Yeah. And how he is creating the Perfect fit. And y'all, I'm guilty. If you go to my Plucky Reader account, my Instagram looks beautiful. I have carefully crafted that. But that is because I'm trying to build a brand. If you're trying to build a life that is that carefully crafted, there is something to you need to evaluate. Well, here's the thing. Everybody's life as it is presented on Facebook is it's a little fake. bit fake. Right. Because you're not going to – I mean, I'm not going to have the worst day ever and then go home and post, like, a picture of myself crying in the bathtub. Like <laughs> – I'm going to do that just for you. Which does happen, by the way. <laughs> but now you have that big bathtub. So Yeah. Oh, it's amazing. It's so big. Oh, I love it. Um, no, that's true. And we're not going to go and post a status update today. Like that says, like, today a girl got in my face and I was an asshole and told her to sit down or I would break her arms off. Like, we're not going to make ourselves the bad guys on social no. media. Um, yeah. yeah, everything... People spit shine what they put on Facebook. Just, right. I, you know, when people say to me like, oh, their life looks so perfect on, you know, Facebook. I'm like, well, yeah, of course it does. Right. Look at, like, think about what you post on Facebook. Those are your prize moments for the most part. Or it's your bitching about somebody else. It's not you right. bitching about yourself. Like, <laughs> um, but all that to say, just the way she talks about him carefully crafting this online reality tells me there's something wrong and we quickly find out that he is an abusive piece of shit who should be run over several times with a mac truck i mean delightful he sucks um actually i still have an issue with andrew uh andrew skarsgård alexander skarsgård alexander skarsgård from this because he played the role so, so well, well so well and he just gets better i know you've only seen the first two he just gets better and to the point like where towards the end because i have some ptsd still from my own experiences and towards the end i was like i can't ever look at this guy ever again never which is the mark of a great actor, but mm-hmm. also i but get also, it i'm sure he's a really nice person i really hope he doesn't really beat his wife <laughs> um not that this is really at all, but I'm going to tell you anyway, because you're stuck in this conversation. Thank you. Um, when we went to New York, the last time Sarah and I went, um, just mm-hmm. for fun, not for work, um, mm-hmm. we went to go see Tuck Everlasting on Broadway. It was wonderful, mm-hmm. and I was so sad that it closed. But the guy who played the villain, Terrence Mann, mm-hmm. when he came out to like do the meet and greets and sign books and stuff, because have you ever been to a Broadway show? Yeah. Okay. When it's over, you know, the actors come out and they meet all the fans. Sarah would not look at him because she was so mad at him because of the way he played the character so well. She, it it took her like, like probably 35 minutes to forgive him. I couldn't, I couldn't look at him at um, Alexander Skarsgård for a long time. Then he shaved his entire head for a roll and I was like, okay, we're good. Right. (laughs) Because it looked so bad. Uh, (laughs) He paid his penance. (laughs) So, um, so 
we find out that Celeste's world is not sunshine and rainbows and um not even a little bit not even close and and this is a mindset that people have all the time and that's what breaks my heart is she thinks things like I did this I wasn't thinking I made this mistake Mm -hmm. that made him angry it's my fault that he went off Mm -hmm. and and I don't know, like Leanne Moriarty handles this so delicately and in such a real way. I really applaud her craft as a writer. Yeah, she did. She did a really good job with it. And, you know, we were talking the dynamic between the, the book, their relationship in the book and their relationship in the show is very different. But I think also it had to be because it's hard to um, articulate like that kind that of internal dialogue. Yeah. Th- while like whilst doing a show that's only so long right know? right mm-hmm. um and so um we see things kind of are starting to fall apart for everybody at this point yeah um nobody's having a good day madeline and her husband don't ever fight but they're on the edge of fighting at all times so far in the book and the show they do fight but oh, show they fight but in the book so far, they have not had a fight, but it's you can tell something's brewing um, mm-hmm. because Madeline is angry at all times about her ex-husband who walked out on her and abandoned her mm-hmm. and now is remarried and has with his wife, Bonnie, who seems to be this kind of angelic um, peacemaker who is all about yoga and eating healthy mm-hmm. and spreading kindness like confetti. And, um, Madeline is so fixated that, that her husband, Nathan, ex-husband Nathan is playing this like perfect doting dad, wonderful husband shows up for everything person when he completely ignored her and her oldest daughter, um, uh, Abigail, Abigail, Mm -hmm. um, that she can't, she can't allow herself to be happy or anybody else. And it ultimately strains the relationship she has with this man who has been in love with her since they were small children. I know that was so cute. And here's the thing. And I, I understand where Madeline is coming from. Oh yeah. On this, because you get like a little glimpse in the first part of the book where she, or in this part of the book where she's talking about how she'd had Abigail um, the baby was crying and Nathan was just like, you know what? I can't do this. And he just like left. So for him to like go off and remarry someone else and then decide to do this. Right. It's hard. Yeah. Right. And, and I actually think every ounce of passive aggression she gives him is, is deserved and warranted. Yeah. Um, Especially when he gets mad at her for ruining his chance to see his daughter's first day at school. And she's like, bitch, you have a daughter whose first day you didn't go to. Don't come at me like that. (laughs) Yeah, she gets, it, as the show progresses, she gets some real good zingers in on him. And I, I will be sure to talk about them. They're yes. really good. <laughs> um, all, everything kind of comes to a head. This is kind of where the show get, finishes the second episode. And so mm-hmm. that's where I'm going to wrap up where I'm talking about. Um, when um, uh, Madeline decides to stand up for Jane in the most underhanded private school mom kind of way and gives out free tickets to Disney on ice to 
everyone in the in kindergarten mm-hmm. that happens to be the same day and the same time as uh, Amabella. Uh, I refuse to call this child Amabella. Amabella's birthday party. You know this poor girl's gonna get to be about ten and be like, everyone call me Bella or the Amy. <laughs> she goes by her middle name, yes. Zandra. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Dis- it, the Disney on Ice thing is hysterical. Yes. I love it. I You'll see, I think, in the next episode or maybe the fourth, how it plays out in the show. And it's excellent. It's really good. Good. Okay. So I'm just going to go, kind of go through the show like I do my movies. But I'm going to skip a lot because you touched on a bunch of things. Um. We open at the end. Um, you see the voice. You can see like the red and blue lights of um, emergency vehicles. And all the voices are muted by a woman's like heavy breathing. Okay. Um, the detectives arrive at the fundraiser and find a body, but we don't see who it is. Maybe it's whoever named that child Amabella. <laughs> That's who my money is on. <laughs> Um, I already said this. I think they do a really good job of the chapters of the book where they're talking to the police, like yes. the little mini chapters. And, um, we meet, um, Madeline, Madeline and Chloe. Um, Chloe is my favorite child on earth and that's it. Her taste in music is better than oh, most adults that I know. That little girl needs a spanking every single day. <laughs> what? Because she calls her mom woman every time. Every time she dresses her mother, it's with a disrespectful woman kind of tone. Somebody spanked that out of that kid. And I'm not a big, like, you need to spank for everything. But they should have punished that kid when she was little instead of laughing and saying that was cute. I love Chloe, so you back off, buddy. I will put her in timeout every day. Well, you put her in timeout. She's not your kid. If she was my kid, I would be all over it. She's so cute. Um, Madeline has to slam on her brakes because there's some teenagers texting and driving in front of her, like you said. But in the show, it's a little different because her oldest daughter, Abigail, is is in in the the car. car. Mm -hmm. Now, also, it's different because we're not in Australia. Oh, that's right. (laughs) We're not in Australia. We're in California. And it's here at the top of my nose. I just skipped right over it. (laughs) We are in Monterey, California, where they pound people with knives to death. To death. (laughs) Which is something she said, like Celeste says in the beginning. Yes. Um, um, yeah, Abigail is in the car with her, with the girl that's texting and driving. Um, after she twists her ankle, Jane pulls over to make sure she's okay. Um, Chloe, like they get in the car to take, because Jane just drives them all to the orientation. Um, and Chloe says when she grows up, she's going to run a massive label. And I'm ready to invest in this music label already. Right? So she's got such good me. taste. For real. Um, so the way that they do it in the show is they run it like all of the music in the show is coming from her iPod, which I'm just, yeah. It's brilliant. Like, that is brilliant. <laughs> brilliant. Cinematography. Yeah. <clears throat> so we cut to a press conference um, with the police. And then we immediately um, cut to Celeste. She's standing in the perfect ray of sunshine. Played by? Smiling upwards. Oh, played by Nicole Kidman. Oh, crap. And Madeline is Reese Witherspoon, or what's her face? 
what's her what's head? her name <laughs> <laughs> what's her head is what you said I was like, what's her head okay <laughs> yeah. i stand by um, it so here uh, yeah i'll just run this down real quick man this is gonna be so convoluted i'm so sorry um so madeline is like we said reese witherspoon jane is played by um shailene woodley I was just going to say, I'm really disappointed that they couldn't find any better actresses in Hollywood. Like, was there no one left? Well, I love Shailene Woodley. She's one of my favorites. I think this has the best cast of all time. If that didn't translate. Well, season two is coming at you with with Queen Meryl. Meryl, I know. I know. But I'm just like, they couldn't find. They're already engraving her name on the Golden Globe. They're just going to give it to her. (laughs) Yeah. And then um, Celeste is played by uh, Nicole Kidman. Yeah, they definitely were scraping the bottom of the barrel with the cast here. They were just picking up rocks looking for actresses at this mm-hmm. point. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, we've got to cast this show, guys. <sighs> Paul Merrill. <laughs> She's busy. Oh, man. Okay. Um, again, Celeste, she's standing in the perfect ray of sunshine smiling upwards and using her hands to block the Nerf bullets that her twin ch- children are shooting at her. And what in the background, Victim of Love is playing, and I'm just like, this is amazing! Right? So good. Um, I forgot. Oh, sorry. You forgot. Huh. My favorite line. We'll get to my favorite line when you talk about that character. Okay. I texted you my favorite line. Oh. <laughs> She's telling the boys that they need to go and they're not listening to her. And here comes her husband, Perry, who uh, quickly settles the whole thing by yelling, first one to the car gets a dollar. Like you do. Yeah. You just texted me now? No. Oh. During our conversation yesterday. Oh, yeah. I remember. Sorry. <laughs> it's been a weekend, you guys. I'm so sorry. Um, and then they cut to the parents in the um, doing police interviews talking shit about them yeah and they say quote there should be a five-year limit on how long couples get to be gooey which i agree with Um, no because sarah and i passed that mark a long time ago and we're still gooey i'm just bitter and single i also don't hit her so it's real goo so Mm -hmm. and then quote it's real goo All I the tried goo. to gloss over it. I tried. <laughs> I really did. I'm sorry, guys. I tried. Um, so the second lady says, quote, he's a lot younger than her. She must be pretty, you know, in the bedroom. And I was like, mind your business, Janet. <laughs> right? But also, it's possible because she's Nicole Kidman. Like, I, I mean, I would not be surprised. <laughs> We're at school drop off. Um, it's much more political than my son's. That's what I, <laughs> I want to punch the crossing guard in his face every time he's on screen. Oh my god! <laughs> and I love when Madeline's like, "I've been here. Uh, I've been here longer than you." <laughs> she's, she's like, "You're new here. I'm not." <laughs> <laughs> um. So I wrote again how I feel bad for Jane because I was the young mom at the school. And we meet Renata and Amabella. No. And I said, pause to talk about how fucking stupid this meme is because HBO just glosses right Right? over it. 
Nothing. Uh uh-uh. uh. Nothing. There's not even like a pause to break the fourth wall and stare at the camera, which I would have written in at this point. Um, now, she is played, Renata is played by Laura Dern. Yes. And while we're talking about her before I forget, I love her commitment to not calling Madeline by her right name. It's the best. <laughs> and you don't get this in the book. You you only get in the show where she calls, everyone calls her Madeline, except she calls her Madeline every time. It's amazing. It's so subtle. And yes. it's so catty. And it's like, so just... Laura it's Dern, so I think, is the most I underappreciated actress in Hollywood. I've said this forever, mm-hmm. but just that right there is so magical to me. <laughs> oh, man. So, yeah, we, we meet Renata, who named her child something stupid, and also is complaining that her summer just flew by because she got asked to be on the board of PayPal, and she just couldn't say no because, you know, <sighs> life is hard. Well... <laughs> Fuck you. And also change your child's name. We also meet Bonnie and Nathan. And I'm just going to point out now, um, Bonnie, I think, so in the book, she's listed as blonde and always wearing a braid and like all this. Uh But they cast, Bonnie's played by Zoe Kravitz, who is um, incredible. And she was the best choice for this show absolutely you not convince me otherwise She's no so i good. agree i thought that was the best casting i think her and uh shailene woodley already have good chemistry on screen mm-hmm. they like i just again i think this whole casting was wonderful but bonnie is the subject of my favorite quote in the whole book so yes. far because nobody can figure out why nathan is so into bonnie when he had madeline first and madeline says she must give <laughs> organic <laughs> blowjobs or something <laughs> yes they change it for the movie to be even better you you i told you texted me and i said wait till you watch this show they add another adjective and (laughs) i howled when she said she must give him organic mint flavored blowjobs or something (laughs) it's the best that's even better than an underwater blowjob so if you could write to us and tell me how to give a organic mint flavored blowjob i would appreciate it because we've already had one cleared up. So now mm-hmm. it's your turn. We're putting it back on you, fans. Yes. <laughs> oh, man. So Madeline and Nathan, her ex-husband, don't get along that well. Um, probably because he ditched her to raise Madeline or to raise Abigail by herself and then started another family later, which well, sucks. <laughs> and, and he insists on calling her Maddie when nobody else does. Oh, and I yeah. find that so degrading. I I assume like that it's when a they, microaggression. I assume that when they were together, he probably called her Maddie, and she thought it was cute. And now he continues to do it because it pisses her off. Right, mm-hmm. Madeline and Maddie. Ugh, her <laughs> name is Madeline. I can't. Um. So our heroines, Celeste, Madeline, and Jane, go to Blues Blues Cafe to get some Blue Blues, not Blues Blues. Blues clues, blues clues. <laughs> we just get- found a clue. I'm done. <laughs> they go to get some coffee. So I was very upset that they didn't, you know, do the champagne, champagne. breakfast. Yeah, they just had some coffee like normal people. What also, I love that in Australia there's a term for drinking at breakfast, and it's called a champagne breakfast. Well, there's a term here. It's called brunch. <laughs> no, I know. But I think a champagne breakfast just sounds so much better. Like It does. 
I'm going to bring back a champagne breakfast. Yes. How about that? Um, Jane tells Celeste that she's beautiful, which she is. But we have to talk about this wig that Nicole Kidman wears this whole show. It's horrible. Okay. I was not sure because, now keep in mind, I was painting while I was watching. Mm-hmm. So I was not sure if it was a wig or if, like, her hair girl needed to be fired. No, that's a wig. It's terrible. HBO, that's some lifetime shit. I expect better from you. <laughs> that is like somebody dug through the prop closet and they were like, we have this one. <laughs> it was even hard to draw for our illustration this week. Yeah, it's real bad. It's real bad. Um, We go to school pickup and the incident um da, 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 da. it starts when Renata mistakes Jane for a nanny. That is the worst. Yes, it is. It has happened to me. It sucks. Um then Bonnie tells Madeline that she signed a petition against Avenue Q, which the theater uh, that Madeline works on at is putting on. Then the teacher comes out to talk about what happened to Amabella, which we covered and, and about how horribly, horribly she played this whole thing. Um, so the teacher, like I said, halfway through realizes that she fucked up, but she could not like undo what she had You done. can't backpedal. <laughs> um, but what, I don't remember if they did this and I think they did do this in the book, but as they're walking away, here comes Harper. Yes. Bitch. And she's like, you know, if I can do anything to help smooth this over, just call me because I'm Renata's best friend. And I love <laughs> I love Reese Witherspoon. And it's like, thank you. We'll make sure that everyone knows that you're Renata's best friend. <laughs> uh, Madeline um, is goes home and she's eating dinner with her family and her husband, Ed, who's played by Adam Scott. I love him so much. He's my nerd crush. He's adorable. Um, And I love the beard. Love it on him. It's amazing. Um, So she's telling Ed about the whole thing that happened. And Ed says that Jane sounds a little bit damaged to him. And he says that doesn't um, surprise him because he thinks Madeline is drawn to damaged people. Which is a very different conversation than in the book. Because mm-hmm. in the book he says, Jane and Celeste are both damaged and I can spot them because I was, I was always attracted to damaged girls. Yeah. And in the show he says, because you attract damaged girls. Right. The altercation ends, up, ends with Madeline storming out of her house to sit down by the water. Which reminds me at this point that while she and Jane were driving earlier that morning, she tells Jane, the over-under in this town is about 150,000. I'm on the under. I'm like, bitch, you live on the water. No, you're not. (laughs) Right. I I think her income is on the under because in the show, he is a very, like, he has a very different job than in the book. Yes. (laughs) He does. But it's just so funny to me that right. she's like I'm on the under she lives in a huge, huge house. house yeah i do laugh though that she lives in that huge house and she's got an upright piano <laughs> <laughs> um 
Celeste is by the water outside of her house taking pictures of her kids because these people are so incredibly wealthy. It makes me sick. Um, Ed's trying to talk Madeline down from her crazy place, but instead they end up getting into an argument. And um, that's when she drops the mint flavored organic blowjobs line, which is just the best. So good. Um, Over at Renata's little slice of heaven. This is where I put, how do I move to Monterey? (laughs) (laughs) Um, her husband, Gordon, who he has a different name in the book, and I can't remember what it is. I don't remember either. I don't his know that I've seen his simple. husband yet in the book. Seen her husband yet in the book. Yeah, but he's got a different name. Um, I can't remember. Um, but all I can stare at, because, okay, so he's sitting behind her, and Laura Dern is, like, looking out at the water, and all I can do is stare at her thigh gap and be jealous. Uh-huh. Um, Gordon's trying to make her feel better about um, her life and how she's successful, but he points to her being on the board of the aquarium instead of like the board of a PayPal. PayPal. I caught that too. <laughs> um, but that doesn't go well. She just gets mad at him. <laughs> we see Jane um, talking to her mom on the phone, um, which also doesn't go great. Jane. Um, Sorry, y'all. I just clicked a button and made my phone make noise. I'm not editing <laughs> that out. You just have to deal with it. <laughs> so we also, Jane goes back in her house after talking to her mom and sits down and we see a very short flashback of her, of her in a blue dress. And yes. We'll, we'll get there, but not until the end. So <laughs> um, it happens a lot. So you'll see. Um, she asks Ziggy again, if he hurt Emma Bella and he says, no, um, back at Madeline's house, she goes to talk to Abigail, who drops the bomb that college is a racket because I guess her fight with her mom wasn't like bad enough yet. Right. <laughs> because earlier they were fighting about um, Bonnie, you know. Now, like that's something that I skipped over is Abigail in the book is a lot less palatable than Abigail in the show. And that's yeah. hard to imagine once you see Abigail in the show. Yeah. But she is so... I cannot stand Abigail in the book to the point that I'm like, when the show got rid of a kid, it should have been that one. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But then there would be no relationship between Madeline and Nathan. Well, move Fred up. I don't care. But (laughs) (laughs) Um, So Abigail is, here's the thing. Madeline is telling her that she needs to go to college because she needs to be a strong, independent woman, which I think maybe Abigail was too young to remember like what life was like for them when she was single. Right. When Madeline was single. So she doesn't understand like how hard Madeline had to work. And well, Um, and she pushes back and she's like, but Ed didn't go get a four year degree. And she's like, uh but Ed's a software programmer and he happens to be super skilled at this one thing that. Yeah. Is a career, but that's not how it works for everybody. You know? Mm hmm. Over at Celeste's place, Perry's reading the boys a book, which is a weird book, and I need to know. Yeah, it reminded me of a book that my best friend's husband brought home that was like a fake children's book. Yes. That was like H is for Hobo Who Lives Under Your Bed. Like, yes. It reminds me a little bit of Go the Fuck to Sleep. Yes. <laughs> but he's actually reading it to children. You're not supposed to read that to your kids. It You're sounded like to... the ABCs of Serial Killers is what it's it sounded like to, to me. It's funny. Like, don't do that. <laughs> Ugh. Um, 
Celeste is doing the dishes. And I'm like, don't you have a nanny that lives with you? Why isn't she doing the dishes? Well, she has a nanny and a housekeeper, but the housekeeper that wasn't there. That is something that, that I would definitely outsource. Um, I also love that in the book, when she mentions that the housekeeper costs $200 a week and she comes out every Friday, her mom is like, I will come help you clean your house, save the money. Whereas my mom would be like, I will come clean your house for $200. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, later, she's posting photos on Facebook, which, again, we talked about. In the book, it was Perry that does this. It was her husband. And who- that's why I found it so weird. Mm-hmm. Um, Perry comes up behind her, scaring her. And they do a good job of setting up that Celeste is very jumpy. Yes. She's, you'll find out why, but she is just very like on edge all the time. Um, she tells him about the incident with Amabella and he says that their kids should stay away from Ziggy because he doesn't want them to be exposed to violence, which L O L you asshole. Right. He also um, says, I don't want them running around with the wrong crowd. Like, in right. kindergarten, there's a wrong crowd. <laughs> now they're in the first grade in the show, but. Right, because she says, that's not necessary. Um, he seems like an okay kid. Nobody saw what happened. He says he doesn't want the boys mixed up with the wrong crowd. And Celeste is like, you're ridiculous. They're five. Right. <laughs> um, so when she calls him ridiculous, she um, woke the beast because he storms across the room and grabs her by the arm. Um, he then she, but and this is the only time they really show her like kind of fighting back or this time. And then the next time. And she just growls at him. She's like, get your fucking hand off my arm. Uh huh. Um, she pushes him back and then he walks away or she walks away. Madeline is playing with um, playing music on the piano, her upright piano. <laughs> and um, Abigail comes down to try to make peace. Abigail says that um, she's still Madeline's baby because Madeline is like, you know, you you lose your children eventually. They, you know. Right. Which is a really great conversation in the show. Mm-hmm. But I don't yeah. remember that happening at any point in the book with the kids. It didn't. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, Madeline, Abigail says that she's still Madeline's baby and that Bonnie is just kind of like her friend. And I think that conversation is what makes her more palatable in the show. She's a lot more (laughs) self-aware of the situation that's going on. In the book, she's not at all. No. Ugh, she's the worst. (laughs) She's just a brat. Yeah. Um, they wake up Chloe somehow and I don't, they all have like a nice family moment together but then and i don't know if you caught this because this is like my third time watching this but so madeline starts kind of playing more with chloe and abigail just kind of slips away yeah so i think she feels also like she's losing her mom a little bit right which is driving her closer to bonnie the relationship is much more complicated in the show yes um we cut to another press con- conference where the police are saying they're treating the matter as a homicide but have no suspects. And we get shots of our three main characters in their houses interspersed with um, the waves, which, God, gorgeous. Jane wakes up startled by Ziggy. She's also jumpy. We'll get there. Yep. And, and they see the detective sitting behind the two-way glass, watching the interviews, playing with her Zippo lighter, which will be a thing. And it bugs the shit out of me the whole time. She does this in every episode. It's so does annoying. She? I was hoping it would be a thing her. that doesn't stay. 
she flicks that Zippo all the time. It's so annoying. Um, so, oh, also, we do see one in episode, at the end of episode one, we get another small black flashback of Jane in her blue dress. And then in the present, she opens a drawer, pulls out a gun, and puts it under her pillow, which seems very unsafe. That's not the way to get the tooth fairy to come. If you need some money, pull out yeah. a tooth, not a gun. Yes. Okay, so here we are at episode two. Let's talk about how much I love the opening song. Yes. Cold Little Heart. I love it. I actually have it on my um, phone. I really? I listen to it. The other, there's another song, the end of episode one, they do the, the piano song. Uh-huh. That's also one of my favorites. I listen to that when I need to calm down. <laughs> the one that's at the end of episode two, I love. I think I'm going to buy. Mm-hmm. Can't think of what it is, but I'll get there. I'm sure I have it. <laughs> So we see Jane in her blue dress again, and this time there's a man there with her. Uh-huh. Um, Madeline is staring out in, at the ocean from her beautiful home from the underside of Monterey. Shut up. Right. <laughs> um, she tells Chloe that the ocean is powerful because Chloe's like, what are you doing? You know? Right. And I just, I thought it was very poignant, even though, like, there's no real reason for it. But she's, like, talking to her about how the ocean is powerful. Like, you just don't know what's there. Right. And I just thought it was a very poignant moment, even though it's not really, doesn't really contribute to the plot at all. Well, it is more um, a commentary on that you don't understand the things in front of you, period. It does, Mm -hmm. it does foreshadow the rest of the show. I guess. Um. At Jane's house, Ziggy doesn't want to go to school, which is shocking. <laughs> I can't imagine why not. Ziggy keeps asking why they moved there, but Jane just rushes him out the door. And we cut ugh, to the fucking principal of the school giving an interview to the police. It's like about Jane um, that makes you, he says, it makes you wonder what on earth she could be running from. What an asshat. Like, do your job. Ugh. Like you also see him at the school, like looking out the blinds on the first day instead of being outside yes. like, with the kids, and that too is bullshit. Yes, he his teachers are shitty. He's shitty. Everything needs to be real. I'm deleting this school. Uh, he sucks. I don't like his character at all. That school has been canceled. I'm coming in. <laughs> um, Madeline's on the phone with the play director. Who is bending to the pressure of the petition, which is just not what Madeline needs today. So she tells him to go, quote, fuck himself on, on the head. head. <laughs> <laughs> now, I do like how they make her more involved with the theater in the show. Um, I don't love the particular direction this ends up taking. Okay. I like that she's like in the rehearsals and stuff mm-hmm. because in the book, she's just like, in charge of their marketing and stuff, right? Right. Okay. Uh-huh, yeah. Um, she hangs up on him. Celeste and Perry are taking the boys to school. Perry apologizes to her for grabbing her, and she suggests, quote, another counselor, which tells me that this is not the first time that something like that has happened. No, and that's a whole <laughs> conversation. Sorry. You're fine. That's a whole conversation in the book that or a whole like subplot that they have gone through counseling a couple of times but she winds up lying to the counselor always or the counselor doesn't believe her or perry's manipulative and it just winds up that they don't actually get anything done yeah perry sucks um 
Perry says, it's going to be a good year for us sparkles. And I threw up in my mouth. I was like, hate it. Hate it. Um, That's what I'm going to start calling you from now on. Do sparkles. I hate it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So they pull up to the school and she says that they just need to drop the boys off and go, which does not please Perry because he wanted to meet the teacher all of a sudden. Celeste reminds him that they had this discussion already about how they were just going to drop the boys. And then she takes, you see her take a deep breath because she knows what's coming. Yep. Um, God, I hate him. At school, all the parents are just watching their kids. Like they're all sitting in their car, like watching their kids, which is so weird. Uh-huh. <laughs> Amabella, you see her passing out the invitations in the background, but we don't get there till a little bit later. Um, Madeline pulls up next to Jane and asks if she still wants to go to yoga. Um, Someone honks at Madeline, and she responds with, with something that I still say when people honk at me. She says, get laid, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> Madeline has the best one-liners in the show. She They're does. so good. Um, <clears throat> uh, da, da. At yoga, Madeline and Celeste, uh, Jane does not join them because she had a job interview. Um, are not concentrating and instead are talking about Celeste coming out of lawyer retirement, which is not a thing, <laughs> and representing her over the play. Right. To like city council. Madeline then spies Nathan and Bonnie in the back corner, which makes her very happy and excited. Obviously. And in this next conversation, the yoga instructor takes her own life into her hands. Yeah, she does. So they keep getting shushed like during the class. And at the end, the teacher recommends the perimenopausal class, <laughs> which Madeline, go back and just watch that part and pause it at the look that she gives oh, her. Oh, no, I saw. I happened to look up. When it was the, incredible. Yes, I happened to look up because I was drawing. And then I heard that and I looked up like, what the fuck? <laughs> Poor Bonnie is like getting dressed and she just wants to be friends with Madeline. And I don't know why, but <laughs> um, at the school, the very over enthusiastic teacher is telling them about their first project, a family tree. And then the class pet, Harry, the hippo, which she passes around for everyone to hug while Chloe and Ziggy, like exchange a withering look between them. <laughs> They're just not at all interested. Um, Amabella, however, raises her hand to see if Harry is consenting to be hugged. Right. What? Continue. I understand consent, but also I understand inanimate objects. Right. Um, That is all. At Celeste's house, Perry is packing to go on his trip. Finally, like, please go. Bye, bitch. Yeah. They fight about the boys. He says that he she just wanted to keep that first grade first day of school moment all to herself because she's so selfish. (sighs) He slaps her across the face and she slaps him back. Um, He pushes her up against the wall and then he immediately apologizes by getting on his knees and then they have sex. And this is where I texted you yesterday or two days ago. What the fuck to pump chump? Because, okay, so the book, like in the book, she says that even though the fights are bad, the makeup sex is always great. Mm-hmm. And that's like a conversation or like a, a thought she has yeah. in the book. And that so, is not palatable sex to me at all. And no. this is not live stream. This is HBO. So we see it. So we see it. Um, mm-hmm. Literally, it's like a four second long. He like 
one, two pumps, he's done, and slam, bam, thank you, man, and he's done. And I'm like, yeah. the fuck is wrong with you? He's like, that's hey, Nicole Kidman. Take <laughs> your time. <laughs> Christ, I hate him. Um, Madeline and Jane go to pick up their kids together, and Madeline finds Amabella's party invitation. Um, and so they discuss how Ziggy was not invited to the party. Um, later she's in her kitchen and how do I get this kitchen? This kitchen is to die I need for. it. Oh, the big island in the middle is to die for. I love it. When Sarah and I build our house, I'm just going to take a picture of that and be like, I want this. Also, mm-hmm. can you bring the ocean to Shreveport? Right. <laughs> I am going to. I read an article talking about the actual houses that these were filmed in. It's because they are all houses. They're not all in Monterey, but they are all homes in California. And I'll see if I can find it. We can put it on the this the blog. Okay. Because it's really interesting about the houses and how God, they're fucking gorgeous. I hate it. <laughs> um, Madeline's telling Ed about what happened and how inappropriate it was. Um, and then Madeline says, "I don't know." She tells Chloe, "I don't know why you didn't call or text me." And Ed was like. How would she do that? She doesn't have a phone. Oh. Oops. She does. <laughs> um, the, sorry, I just got a text. The um, conversation that follows the, about, like, is it in a Barbie? And Chloe goes, you can't put a phone in a Barbie. Stupid. <laughs> <laughs> and then she says, Something like one little girl's. She says some. She says a little girl's name. She's like so and so's Barbie gave so and so a boner. And uh-huh. like, <laughs> yeah, we can't oh, we can't have Barbies terrible. because it gave so and so a boner. And I was like, <laughs> I need to pause this show and take a walk. <laughs> I love it. Okay, um, Madeline storms out of the house again. Um, Ed follows her and says that maybe Madeline's problem isn't with Bonnie. It's Nathan. That's the problem. Um, Because Abigail, of course, has to bring up that, you know, she hopes that they're not letting Chloe play with Barbies because Bonnie would just never let Skye play with a Bonnie or the Barbie. (laughs) (laughs) My Bonnie lies over the ocean. (laughs) Oh, God. Um And then they get into a, a pretty big argument because the, he feels uh, – Ed feels second to Nathan. He kind of – I think he feels like Madeline is settling for him. Right. And so I don't know if they go into it in the show, but like I said, the the love story between him and her in the book is so sweet. It talks about how he – don't. Oh, I hate that. So in the book, he says that he loved her since they were kids. They lived in the same neighborhood, and she would mm-hmm. play cricket with the boys. Still yeah. there, dressed like a girly girl like she does today, but she could – out cricket any of the boys and Mm -hmm. how he just loved watching her from a distance and then years and years later they wound up at the same barbecue and there she is playing cricket and he was in love with her all over again and so it's really cute they don't they don't ever get there all that is summed up in the show with adam scott going for me you're the one but Mm -hmm. i don't think i'm your one and i'm like come on where's that sweet romantic story well, and what I love, too, is in the first episode, 
he follows her down. The first time she storms out, he follows her down to the beach. And she, he's like, you know, we're going to have a pretty big fight. Not right now. Later. It's coming. And then in the second episode, this time when he follows her down to the beach, he's like, remember when I said we were going to have a fight? It's, it's now. now. <laughs> um, but also, who could fight with Adam Scott? He's so cute. I know. Um, Abigail sees... You, you get a, a quick shot of Abigail like watching... Um, them fight uh, from the window. Oh, I didn't even see that. I've gone back yeah, to drawing. It's quick. Mm-hmm. Um, at Celeste, the twins are watching a Godzilla movie. It's their night with Harry the Hippo. I can't. Um, Celeste asks, asks about Ziggy and if he's the one who hurt Amabella, and they both say no at the same time. So these kids know what's. They know going what's on. up. Mm-hmm. Madeline calls Celeste. To meet her at a bar because, quote, she needs to swap out her family for some vodka. And I was like, mm, same. Uh, yeah, I'm <laughs> going to adopt that sentence. Yeah. They go to a wine bar, which is not where you get vodka, but that's neither here nor there. Um, they go to a wine bar and Madeline bitches about Ed. Celeste, like, very um, pinpoints the issue, I think, and asks if maybe Madeline had more passion with Nathan than she has with Ed. Right. Which can be a thing you right. know i've certainly you know i i've certainly been in more and less passionate relationships but that doesn't make the relationship as a whole better or worse right um she then asks if they thought about going to counseling and madeline scoffs and asks if um celeste and perry ever fight she says yes but she says um uh, they often have angry sex afterwards Right. And Madeline says, oh, man, that sounds a little twisted, but kind of great. And I'm like, no, nope. no, nope. it doesn't. <laughs> um, and that's another conversation that's slightly different in the book that has different mm-hmm. meaning because in the book, it, it's from Celeste's point of view. And mm-hmm. she said she one time asked Madeline if her and Ed fought and Madeline said that they argue and Celeste is like, but just the way she said it makes me know it was it's not the it's same thing. Different, yeah. Um, and so that dawn of realization from Celeste's point of view, I think, is a lot stronger. Yeah. Um, guess is at the bar too. Um, Ed McMahon with a giant check. Renata. Oh, good. And I, this is where I put the thing about where she calls her Madeline instead of Madeline. Uh, that's when I caught it, and that was the first time that I was like, I think she's been doing this, like. So Renata asks Celeste and Perry to go to a fundraiser. And then and an says, is like, oh, you oh, guys do. It would be fun to have all of you. But yeah. come, do come, bring your money. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> Just get the money from PayPal, bitch. Um, Madeline brings up the birthday party invitation incident. And so she and Renata get into it hard. Um, then we cut to a mother who's sitting at the bar drinking, but she's the same mother who said she was pregnant again in episode one. Oh, that's true. (laughs) (laughs) She done with that pregnancy. Nope. Yeah. She's watching the whole, the whole thing go down. Um, Madeline calls Renata a cunt. (laughs) Yes, she does. (laughs) Fighting words. And then tells her to get fucked (laughs) (laughs) on the head. No, no, I know. But that is my favorite phrase. Fuck yourself on the head. Yeah. She's talking to Ed about it later at home. And he um, 
says it's not fair to Chloe that she's going to keep her away from the birthday party, which is true-ish. But the way he says it, he goes, but last year, Amabella had a bounce house and a magician. Like, <laughs> you can't punish her. It's like, you're not, you're not understanding any oh, of this. Wait till you see this party. Okay. Bananas. But yeah. also, Chloe's having a really good time, too, so... I would um, also like to point out that my favorite line in cinematic history happens in one of those police interviews that oh, yeah. when a guy says the shit was never really far from Madeline's fan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, Ed says he needs to create an app to keep track of all the fights <laughs> that she starts. <laughs> He's like, there's, you know, Renata, there's the crossing guard. There's- it's so funny um and also when he turns off the light they have a clapper yes yes they do (laughs) i laughed so hard um celeste goes home and finds that flowers have been delivered yay the housekeeper even says uh you have to pay extra to have them delivered the same day she says quote double the price for nighttime deliveries there it is Mm -hmm. Um, but this can all fuck off because Perry sucks. Um, I am disappointed that so far the show hasn't pointed out that he always buys her expensive jewelry after he hits her and she just doesn't wear it. Like (laughs) that, that is some petty shit and I love it. (laughs) Um, so the boys are still awake though. I love the nannies. Like, um, I failed you. I feel that I failed you in another, (laughs) um, they all lay down and um, fake Perry snore, which I thought was so cute. It's like the heard the two boys and her, and they're all like play snoring. It was adorable. Uh-huh. Um, Madeline's telling Jane over the phone that she's not going to let Chloe go to Amabella's party unless Ziggy gets invited. And Jane is like, please don't do that. You're making this so much worse. Right. Um, Abigail comes back, back, comes down. And drop. Well, it was the next morning. She comes down the stairs and drops her backpack. And what skitters across the floor? Birth control. Birth control. Um, Madeline pulls Abigail into the kitchen. And it turns out that Bonnie took her to Planned Parenthood. Here's the thing. Everyone needs access to birth control. Right. It's great. However, if my... If I had a daughter and her stepmother took her to get birth control and neither of the other parents mentioned it to me, I would flip my shit. Yes. Big time. Yes. Um, yeah. Oof. So, yeah, Bonnie's the one that took her to Planned Parenthood. Um, it, the, the fact that she didn't tell her, at least tell her afterwards, like, we did this. Right. Really, ideally, do it before. Like, you're all supposed to be parenting together. Right. And that just felt so underhanded. And I was like, oh, Bonnie. Right. That is not Bonnie trying to be Madeline's friend as the rest of this has set up. Mm -hmm. At school, Madeline confronts Bonnie in the parking lot because, I mean, of course she does. Right. I do. And I love when she's like, would you just kick that little can of worms back over to me? Yeah. (laughs) But she makes Bonnie cry, which... I felt a little bad for her. I don't. Mm, but that was just so underhanded as a co-parent. If it had been one of her friends or something else. Right. 
that's one thing. But I, as like a person that's supposed to be co-parenting this child, like all together, like, oh, it just did not sit well. I think Zoe Kravitz does an amazing job, but mm-hmm. I still prefer the Bonnie in the book from the Bonnie in the show so far. Yeah. I, I, I don't know. I love the Bonnie in the show. I do. At coffee, um, Celeste tells uh, Madeline to let it go. And she says, probably one of my favorite lines out of this whole thing, when she says, I love my grudges. I tend to them like little pets. Yes. <laughs> um, Tom brings coffee. Um, he's the guy that owns Blue Blues. Um, and Madeline laments after he walks away about him being gay. And everyone's a little surprised. Yeah, because I thought he was hitting on Jane this whole time. Well, <laughs> maybe he is. Yeah. I <laughs> I, so I don't know how it progresses from here. And I don't remember any of this in the book. I don't think this is a subplot in the book. It might be. I don't remember. Okay. Then I just don't remember it. But I definitely like, I'm like, no, there's chemistry there. You shut up. Yeah. Um- <laughs> So here's something that did not happen at all in the book, as far as I remember. Ed meets Nathan in the park. No, it does not. What a scene. Nathan Nathan acts like a complete asshole. And I kind of feel bad for Ed because he's just ill-dressed for this argument. He's wearing like a bike outfit. He's in all lycra with a helmet and a GoPro. Like I can't take him seriously, but I feel so bad for him. Um, but for once in the series, at least, Ed sticks up for his wife and says that Madeline's trying to be nice to Bonnie, but it's hard for her um, because he was never there before. Nathan calls him Mr. Sensitive, and Ed tells a story about how he always, <laughs> he says he always wanted to beat the shit out of his bully. And, and then he says, it's a good thing you're always so nice to me, Nathan, and then rides away. <laughs> That's so. I just laugh because he gets all Mister Tough Guy in a bodysuit of lycra and a helmet yeah. with a GoPro. Like <laughs> after he leaves, Nathan goes on an expletive fueled rant about kicking Ed's ass. Yes, he does. <laughs> um, at the theater, the director who has been lurking around corners this whole time—I don't know if you've noticed that. Yes, I have. Okay. Um, and Madeline convinces. Oh wait, he, the director. He's talking about um. Not doing Avenue Q. Right. And Madeline convinces to keep, keep convinces them to keep after it and keep fighting to do Avenue Q because it's very important to her. He says he'll talk to the mayor. He also has tickets to Frozen on Ice, which happens to be on the day of Amabella's birthday party. So Madeline buys up an entire section and invites everyone like you do. Right. I think she tells Amabella she can just let it go. <laughs> yeah. Let it go. <laughs> Harper runs it like the dutiful best friend runs over to Renata's to tell her all about it, but she can't stop running her fucking mouth. So Renata screams at her. <laughs> so funny. <laughs> uh, she's like, I said thank you. <laughs> um, Jane is running on the beach. And there's another incident at the school. So Renata, Jane, Bonnie, and Nathan are all called up to the school. Um, Chloe suggested that Ziggy and Amabella dance to a song to make up. And Sky agreed with her. So that's why, bon- uh, that's why Bonnie and Nathan are there. Um, Nathan is the only voice of reason here, which pains me greatly to say. Right? He's like, 
isn't this bun- just a bunch of brouhaha about nothing? And I'm like, yes, that's exactly, exactly what, what this it is. is. <laughs> um, Renata threatens to get an attorney. And we cut to an interview with the principal saying in his thesis, he coined the term, quote, he- helicopter, helicopter parents. But he says, these women are, quote, fucking kamikazes. I laugh so hard at that because I have experienced that. I work at a very tight-knit, upper-middle-class, white middle Mm -hmm. school. Like, Mm -hmm. if I'm being honest, half of the people I teach, their parents are Renata and her friends. (laughs) So here's the funny thing for me is that um, my son has me saved in his phone as Kamikaze Mom. (laughs) Because he used to have this helicopter mom, and I was like, oh, you should change this to Kamikaze, like, in, in passing, like, as a joke. It was, I think it was while this show was airing, and he did. That's so funny. <laughs> um, so I'm a little offended by the principal's tone here, is all I'm saying. <laughs> um, it's the only thing I think he's done right, is to, is to say those words. No, it's so true. <laughs> it's so true. Um, after they leave, Jane gets really upset, and Ziggy sees her crying. Chloe plays this song in question on their way home and it's river by Leon bridges, which is one of my favorites. I love that. That's the song that closes Mm -hmm. this episode that I love so much. It's beautiful. Um, at Celeste place, Perry Skypes in from wherever he is. Hell, I don't know. Um, and asks Celeste to flash him like you do. She does, but she catches a glimpse of the big bruise on her shoulder where he pushed her into the closet and so she cuts him off real quick. Yep. Um, Gordon tells Renata that it will all probably sort itself out. And she yells, I do not feel supported here. <laughs> <laughs> and he, I love him because he rolls his eyes. He's like, well, I don't suppose I can argue with your feelings. <laughs> <laughs> um, Ziggy tells Jane that he saw her crying at the school and that he overheard a mother saying that he was a little monster. And I was like, who the fuck are these parents? Oh, that shit happens all the time. Oh, which opens the conversation in the book and in the show. Renata leans down in Ziggy's face and says, if you ever put my hands, you don't get to talk to someone else's kid like that when the mama is right there. It might be a different story if a parent is not around and you're having to deal with an issue immediately. And it's a parent that you're close to or that you know. Right. It's not a stranger. Like, oh, it's so bad. Um... Jane tells Ziggy there's nothing wrong with him, which there isn't. Um, At Madeline, she asks Abigail if they can talk about sex before she decides to do it. Um, She says she thinks she can offer some good advice. Abigail agrees, but then Madeline, of course, like makes it weird. So she's like, I'm going to go. She's (laughs) like, because, you know, not a single one of my friends has ever said, I wish I'd had sex sooner. And Abigail is like, "Uh, I got to bounce. Listen, Bonnie's calling me by. Yeah. <laughs> Madeline tells Ed that she heard he threatened to beat up Nathan and he says that he always has her back. Um and she this is when she like sweetly like leans over and she's like, You're my one, you're my only one. And they dance in the living room and it's adorable. It is, it's precious. Meanwhile, Celeste calls Perry back on Skype and strips for him while he jacks off and that was not adorable so it was not okay, and I felt <laughs> like it was so inequitable because she's like stripping for him and he's still like covered up and like you can see that he's jerking off and not that i wanted to watch alexander skarsgård jerk off by any means but he's like 
giving her nothing to work with and making her do all the work. And I'm like, this is not how any of this should work. (laughs) It's real bad. And that's it. That's episode two. Man, this was so good. I'm glad you convinced me to do this. I am so glad. I so, And I feel pop culture-y. I've watched one thing. I know. Well, (laughs) you have watched both seasons. When Meryl, when they just hand her her Golden Globe and she walks into the show, you know, you'll understand why. Do you think they just have a stack of them with her name at the Golden Globe's office? Like, hey. They have her name and then they're like, okay, now take this to the engraver and put like this roll on it. (laughs) Um, Hey, Meryl's in a movie this year. Can you, or a show this year. Can you get this one etched real quick? Look, when I when I watched the show um, for the first time, I knew like I knew it was something special. Um, I knew it was going to win all the awards, and I said the whole time, I was like, you know, these ladies deserve an Oscar. Like I know TV movies don't go up for Oscars, but they should have gotten one. Right? It's so good, and we'll talk more about it as it goes on. But it gets so much better. And yeah, and it's such a good book, and mm-hmm. I'm so excited that we're doing this. Yeah, me too. And I'm very excited to see where they go in season two because the yeah. book is basically over, so they're going to be starting over. Yeah. Now, one uh, Leanne Moriarty is one of the she, lead writers. Yeah, she's so, working on it, so I'm I'm glad about. So it's that. true to her character, and she's a she's the lead writer on this series, mm-hmm. like on this season as well, <laughs> and so it is. It's kind of like Handmaid's Tale, the second season, is what is not in the book, but Margaret Atwood is writing it. So it's canon. It does really... So what I liked about her working on the first season is that they do some departures, but they all work. Right. In the end. They do depart from the book, but all the departures work in the end. And because she's writing, it feels like it has her blessing. Like, Yeah. Mm -hmm. Totally. So, okay, next week we're back to Lifetime movies. What movie are we watching, though? I don't, I don't know. know. You were supposed to send me that calendar, and I forgot to oh, ask cool. you. Um, my calendar may have been destroyed in the move. Yay. Because um, I thought I had it here, and I don't. Okay. Um, did we actually pick four new episodes? Because I don't remember even doing that. We did, but because remember... The uh, Terror in the Woods was one. Oh, yeah. We were really excited about that one. Okay, so I don't remember what we're doing next week. We're going to have to listen back to that episode where we picked four. Mm-hmm. And uh, you can check our blog for the calendar updates. Yes. Cause I and just... we'll maybe screenshot it and throw it on the gram, too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, I... so, yeah, and the rest of these episodes next week will um, – well, not the rest of them, but the next one next week will be on uh, Patreon. What? day are we gonna drop that uh sundays okay cool we'll drop that next sunday then yay yeah so exciting they'll all the the rest of these will be a little bit shorter we did do cram two into one so we could be on time for the um premiere of season two right and actually that'll be good because the show airs on sunday so we can watch it hop on and then right be done Mm -hmm. exactly cool so, all right. Uh, well, it's always a pleasure potting with you. You and too. Where can people find us? Oh, we're at Lifetime Sentence on the Instagram, at Life Sentence Pod on the Twitter machine, at Lifetime Sentence. No, not at. 
I don't know. I'm done. <laughs> you can send us an email at lifetime sentence podcast at gmail.com. That was it. <laughs> and you can find our show notes and interesting mm-hmm. links and things like that at lifetime sentence pod.com. Yeah. And come over to the Patreon. Join us. Patreon.com slash lifetime sentence. And um, it's a $5. I am going to create the Facebook group this week. I'm sorry. I had a really, really long week last week. So um, well, you get access to our Facebook group. And all of our extra content. So, yeah, Absolutely. we're going to do this. We're going to have some other stuff we're going to throw out there um, in a little bit once we get in the groove. Yeah. Yeah. And I think every so often I've um, on our Facebook group, I think I'm going to do a live video as I'm drawing our um, weekly illustration. Oh, yay. And um, I, I always love doing that and uh, just kind of talking through it and talking back and forth with people who are interested and um i don't know it's just kind of a low stress situation right we just want to hang out and have fun absolutely so uh, we love you all don't forget to eat your vegetables and charge your phone talk to you later bye bye this has been lifetime sentence where the truth really is stranger than fiction thanks for listening